welcome, welcome, welcome. We, uh, we're going to get started um, with the message. Um, I am, uh, my name is Kurt. I am not the normal, uh, I'm not the teaching pastor here, um, but uh, Heath, who is our, our ordinary pastor, is um, on uh, vacation, uh, taking some time, um, some energy, kind of recharging. So um, we're, we're starting a stewardship series, um, and we have three people from the bridge talking. I'm going to talk once, and then Nori, and then Travis Janeway. So um, I'm going to be talking about time today and stewardship of time. Um, so if you can pray with me now, we'll, we'll get kicked off. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, you are the creator um, and the redeemer and the restorer. Um, you are just judge, and, and you are worthy of all praise, God. Um, help set our hearts and minds um, on your word today um, and help it pierce us. Um, uh, don't let me get in the way uh, of your truth, uh, Father. Just use me as a vessel and, and, and help us to hear uh, what you want us to. In your almighty name I pray, amen. Um, so we're starting a stewardship series, and I actually had to l- define the word stewardship uh, before we started to actually understand it. It's, it's one of those Christian words. I, it's not just a Christian word, but it's used a lot in Christian ease. And so I think it's helpful to, to have it defined and, and, like, let's get our mind right before we start. Um, the definition of stewardship is an ethic that embodies the responsible planning and management of a resource. Um, so I've underlined resource, and so basically anything that's a resource or a commodity, stewardship is the effective planning and management of that resource. Um, so when we started out to do this series, um, Heath was like, oh, this is perfect. Kurt, you'll go first. You can do time because you have a problem with time. He didn't say that, but that's like, <laughs> that, that's what I think he meant is like you struggle with this. Um, and then next we're doing talents, and Nori is very talented. He's talking on talents. And then, then third, uh, we're doing uh, um, treasure money, and, and Travis Janeway just switched jobs, so it's like a perfect time for him to, to, to be praying and speaking on that. Uh, for me, time is really important, uh, clearly, but especially because uh, my time is, my uh, use of time has changed so drastically over the last few years. Um, uh, Marianne and I got married two and a half years ago now, um, and so going from a single person to a, to a married person is uh, diff- definitely like a different use of time. And then here in September, we're having our first child, um, so time is just going to um, be, be more of a, uh, pray for us. <laughs> um, so, uh, so this has been like a very impactful study for me, and I'm excited to talk to you guys about it. Um, I was talking to a friend yesterday, um, and he was telling me uh, that time is, is a commodity like, he's okay with spending money. He's okay with giving money to God and, and using his talents for God's work. But time is something that he always gets very selfish with. Um, and, and when you look at the resources of time and talents and, and treasure or money, um, it's interesting because, um, like, time is the one thing that is kind of, it's kind of an equalizer. You know, like, everybody in a day has the same amount of time. Like, we all have 24 hours. Um, it doesn't matter how talented we are or how much money we have. Like, we all have 24 hours. Like, that is a, that's, that's what we have. Um, but, and then when you, when, you, when you go beyond a day, we don't know where our time will end on, on earth, right? So, 
Um, you can count your money in your bank account, and you can measure yourself talent-wise with other people, I guess. Um, but like time, you just don't know how much you have left. Um, so it's it's a, it's an interesting concept, and and as we go through here. Um, I think we'll see that where we spend our time is a great reflection of where our priorities are, um, but not always the case, right? So uh, humans, we love to um, we love to take control of things, right? Like we like time is we got 24 hours in a day; it's of the essence, and so we love to we love to try to take control. And and I see two kind of extremes, and and there are people that hit it down the fairway, but I see two extremes. Like one, you have people that schedule and plan things out to the minute. Um, and God bless them, right? They are disciplined and rigid in their time, and, um, and they are, uh, they're definitely like exhibiting um, some godly qualities. Um, I think sometimes the issue with that is they can become selfish with their time sometimes, um, or, or they're just not, uh, maybe they're not, um, they don't allow themselves to be swayed. Um, they, they miss opportunities. Um, and then you have the other extreme, um, and, and, and I fall into this other extreme. Um, it's the non-planners slash like spontaneous people. Um, and we're much more willing to enable to go, you know, to take those opportunities when they come up. Um, but the issue is, is that, you know, we struggle more easily to come to procrastination. We struggle with getting things done. Um, and, and, and really we, uh, uh, we have a fear of failure sometimes and, and we can put off things that we should be doing. Um, and, and, and with both these extremes and just time in general, it just tends to cause anxiety in people. Um, it, you know, one way or the other, either we're too rigid or we're too loose with it, and, and it causes anxiety, um, especially if you don't view it from the right starting point. So we're going to start off um, thinking about how we can be good stewards, how we can manage our time well. Um, and I've got three passages today for us to look at. Um, so just bear with us. Um, the first one we're going to talk about, like, what is a biblical view of time? So before we talk about how to use time, like, what is time? Like, let's get, let's, let's, let's build building blocks. Like, what is time? And then the second, secondly, we're going to talk about what are characteristics of an appropriate use of time. So how do we know we're appropriately using time? And then third, I'm going to give you a practical example of, of perfect time stewardship. So our first text is Second Peter Chapter 3, verses 8 through 15. Um, if you need, you open your app. If you need a Bible, there's one under your chair. Um, and as you're opening to Second Peter, chapter 3, uh, verse 8 through 15, um, I'll give you a little background on, on uh, what Peter is, is writing about. He's writing from Rome. He's awaiting execution. He's about to be martyred. Um, and this is kind of his farewell letter uh, to churches. Um, and he's reminding them how to live effectively, Reminds him of the grace in Christ and, and how to live effectively uh, because of that grace. He's also warning, specifically in this chapter, about false teachers and scoffers. Um, and he implores who are, who are telling uh, the churches to follow their own desires, follow their own uh, sinful, selfish desires. So he's warning against those false teachers. Um, so it's really, it's really pertinent to us because it speaks to the heart of our problem in time and it really helps us get our mind right when we start to, to look at time. So I'll read uh, chapter, sorry, I should have opened this a second ago. Okay, ver starting in verse 8, Peter says, but do not overlook this one fact, 
beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Um, so in order to have a right view of what time is, uh, we're going to go through five things in this passage. If you could hang with me through these five things. One is that God is eternal. Um, have to, we have to get that point. Um, we're going through a Name of God series uh, this summer where it, during our Thursday night Bible studies, and, and Jonathan Lachansky is preaching on a Name of God called El Olam, the everlasting eternal God. God is eternal. He's everlasting. Um, he is the I am. He's not the I was or I will be. He is the I am. So God is eternal. He's infinite. Uh, secondly, God is beyond time. Uh, not only is he beyond time, but he created it, right? Like Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, he created light and darkness and made day and night. Like God created time. Um, so he is Lord over everything. He's Lord over time. Peter drives this point home by saying that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Um, so I brought a yardstick to, to represent and to give a little visual on like what this means, because it's very hard for me to think about, okay, one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. Um, but, you know, yardstick being 36, I'm actually 36 years old, so, you know, one inch for every year of my life. Um, so this is how we think of time normally. Like, we think of it very linearly, right? But God is saying, Peter's saying that God, in, in a thousand years, it's one moment, right? One day. So he sees our linear time like this. He sees, he can see all of our linear time. He sees, he sees my past, he sees my present, he sees my future um, all at once. He sees all of our past, presents, and futures all at once. Like, God is, God is beyond it. He, a, thousand, a thousand years is one day. Um, at th the same time, just one moment, just one day is like a thousand years, right? So, so in this one moment we have, uh, you know, just then, like God was, he, and he is, he sees it all, everything that's happening. Um, you know, he is Lord over, over the minutia as well as over the infinite. Um, and what this tells me is that, you know, God is, is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Um, time, he, he has dominion over time. But it also tells me that God, he cares about the little stuff. You know, like how cool is that, that like, one day is a thousand years to him. Like, he cares about the little things. Um, the distinctions that we know time are, are not known to God, and that's hard to wrap our, our brain around, so I always, like, think of this example every time I think of time, because that's how God, that's how God is just, he's over time. He's just completely over time. Um, it is, uh, uh, it's funny, because, you know, we try to manage this time, but, but God doesn't need to manage it. It's like his. He owns it. 
So the third thing we need to know, and this is, you know, right from that, is that man is finite. Like our understanding is finite. Our, our, our bodies right now are finite. Um, we will, uh, our bodies will die. They will turn to dust. Um, we can count on that, right? Um, you know, ever since we were born, we get set on a path that, you know, this experience right now on this earth will end. Um, the, great, the great news is that, you know, Jesus came to save us uh, from that finite life and, and offer us eternity. Um, you know, he, he, he came to save us for eternity, to partake in an eternal life with God. So, that, like, that's, that's the gospel. That's the good news. Like, if you don't hear anything else, hear that. That's, what Je- that's why Jesus came. Um, the fourth point from this text is that the day of the Lord is coming. So Jesus came to save us, and he's going to come again. He died on a cross once, was resurrected, and he will come again in ultimate judgment, in final judgment, in reconciliation, and restoration. Um, the earth will be restored. Uh, Peter says in, in verse 12 that the heavens will be set on fire, so the stars are going to be destroyed, dissolved, the heavenly bodies will melt away as they burn, but, but God, according to his promise, a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells and will, will be restored. So God is coming to restore that. Um, that will be happening. Um, that's also amazing news, right? Um, but then that speaks to our anxiety and what Peter's talking about in this in this verse, uh, these verses, is that we don't know when that'll be. So he says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And you see it earlier uh, in the text, it says like a thief in the night. Like, why would you use that, that terminology, right? Like a thief. Um, my wife and I, speaking of wasting time, uh, my wife and I have this app called Nextdoor, which is like Facebook for your neighborhood, if nobody's heard of it. Um, but it's, you know, they po- people post different things about dogs being running loose and there's a missing cat. And, um, but we were laughing yesterday because somebody was posting about um, their car getting broken into. And that's not funny in itself. But, but what was funny is that it's happened like seven times over the past year and this person has always left their car door unlocked, right? Like they've never, they've never locked their car door. And, and that's, and for us, it's like, okay, let's well, just lock your car door. Like, that would help. But the point being is that if they had known the thief was going to come that night, they certainly would have locked their car door, right? I mean, uh, that, that's, that's, the, that's the takeaway is that the thief of the night, if, if you know when it's coming, then you would take preparations for it. So God is promising that the Lord is coming again. Um, it is going to be unexpected, unanticipated. We don't know when it is. Like, are we a finite understanding? Um, if we knew that Jesus was coming back on June 20th, let's just, just think about this. Indulge me in this question. If we knew, knew he's coming back on June 20th, what would the next eight days look like in your life? Would they look any different than they do now? Most of us would probably say, yeah. Um, and that may happen on June 20th. I'm not saying it will, but it could, right? Like, we don't know. It comes in a thief in the night. Um, so we can see, like, the anxiousness that Peter's talking to. He's talking to his churches, and, and, and you can imagine 
if you put yourself back in this time, right, this is 65 AD or something like that. And Jesus died in 33, 34 AD, something, not a scholar, Will, 30 AD, something, I don't know. Anyway, so it's been, they're 30 years removed from the death and resurrection of Christ. Peter witnessed it. And other people that are following with Peter witnessed that, right? And, and Jesus said, I'm going to come again. And so it's been 30 years, right? It's only been 30 years. Um, 30 years, I mean, that's like 1980 for us, you know? Some of us remember 1980. Um, and that's, like, it's only been 30 years. It's not, it's not a very long time, and yet they're already starting to grumble um, about, you know, when is, when is God coming back? And you have scoffers and people saying, hey, he's not coming back. Um, you have scoffers saying, he's not coming back, and, you know, you should follow your own sinful desires. You know, where's the promise of this coming? It's been 30 years, right? And, and so you can see that tension. Like, that's what Peter's writing to it's now been 2,000 years since then, right? 2,000 years. Um, and, and, and now we're here and, and we're still, we're faced with the same issue. Like, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. Um, and people are saying, follow your own desires. The world is saying, hey, it's not happening. Follow your own desires. Um, for us, it seems like such a long time, right? 2,000 years. But for God, it's just an instant. Right? This, is, this is nothing for God. This is just an instant. Um, we are so close to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Um, like just weigh on that. And, and, and praise God we are. Right? Um, that, that, that one life, death, and resurrection covers all our sins. Past, present, future. Like that, that work that Jesus performed covered all our sins. Right? I mean, just... It's awesome. Um, so the age we're in today, and this is important, which is why we're going in such detail. The age we're in today, this season of time we're in, um, we've been saved by his grace uh, that we didn't deserve. Um, but we're waiting on this final kingdom. We're waiting on Jesus to return, a final kingdom and a final glory uh, that hasn't yet been fully realized for us finite beings. Um, and that brings us to our final point in this, in this passage, which is, in this age, God has given time as a gift. Time is a gift, um, a gift to God, and he will fulfill his promises. Uh, Peter encourages us in verse 9. So look at verse 9 again. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Uh, that's awesome, man. I mean, the time we have now, the, like, the time we're living in today, um, it's a representation of his patience and faithfulness to man um, so that everybody has an opportunity to be, to be saved. Everybody has an opportunity to be repentant and be saved. Everybody has an opportunity to turn to God. If you haven't accepted uh, Christ is your Savior, know that God is inviting you to. Know that he's inviting you to, and he's patient and faithful while he's waiting for you to accept. Um, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, like we have the opportunity to participate in that work, in, in Christ's work. We have that opportunity. Um, Paul says in Colossians, to walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. And so, as 
as, as followers of Christ, that's what we're called to do. Um, so I'm going to go quick summary, those five points because they're important. This is what we need to know about time. God is eternal. God is beyond time. He created time. Man is finite. The world of man is finite. The day of the Lord is coming, and time is a gift of God in this age, and he will fulfill his promises. So that brings us to our next text, um, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8. So this is, again, we're saying in 2 Peter, uh, we bounced around a little bit just to, just to drive home a point. Um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, um, Peter says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called to us his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, your virtue with knowledge, your knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we talk about what's the best use of time and what characteristics uh, you can like weigh your time against to know what the best use of time. This is a great passage to go through. Um, the first point we make is, and Peter makes, is that you are a partaker in in God's divine nature. Um, that's awesome, right? Like you're a new creation in Christ. Like the, the the Spirit of God is in you. You're a new creation, um, which is it's awesome, right? So when we talk about filling out a schedule, being a steward of time, um, you can't. You can't put that in a box. You can't put that in your, like, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. window on a Monday, right? Like, you don't have a conference call with God to be, like, a follower of Christ every, every week at this time. Like, you are a follower of Christ. You can't schedule your time just like a bird can't schedule being a bird. Like, you are a new creation, so, like, that is it. You are a new creation, um, <clears throat> which is awesome. So, I find myself, I sometimes try to compartmentalize my faith. I sometimes try to schedule it in certain time frames. And so I find myself at work this week, for instance, like I was convicted by going through this, um, right before we were going to lunch, there's a guy I work with, and he's, his, his father is, is really sick, and they've been str- he's been struggling with in and out of, of ER, in and out of hospice, and, um, and this has been a couple months, and I've been praying for him, uh, but this Wednesday, he had a, just had a really terrible day. And right before we were going to lunch, we said, hey, Russell, we're going to lunch. And he said, hey, guys, I'm just sorry. You know, I'm just like, he was like the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's like, hey, sorry, my dad is just taking, you know, another turn for the worst. And I just, you know, I just can't. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. To hear. You know, I was like, I'm sorry to hear that, right? And I, we just went to lunch. Um, and I felt terrible about that, right? Because I just, I felt convicted to pray for this, pray for him, and I didn't. I just, I walked away because I had a schedule to keep. Like, I had to go to lunch with this guy. Um, I feel like that's an opportunity cost. Um, I prayed for him all, all during the car and sent him an email. I was like, hey, man, felt convicted to pray for you, and, and I didn't. I apologize, but I pray, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for energy. I'm praying for peace for your family. Um, but 
let's don't do that. You know, like you have an opportunity um, to speak truth and life to people. Don't compartmentalize your faith to to a to one time. You're a new creation. Like this is all. You are a follower of Christ every single minute you're here. Um, so let's act like it. Um, looking at a looking at these virtues and these characteristics. Um, it's not a. It's, this isn't a checklist of salvation, so don't think that. This is just a. This is a. These are these are characteristics that you can look at to, to 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 look at. Uh, these are these are qualities of a transformed heart. These are characteristics that you can look at uh, to weigh your life against. But this is not. This is not a checklist of salvation. There's only one one thing that can save, and that's Christ. So let's let's get that out there. Um, but if you're looking for a checklist, like people love checklists. If you're looking for something that what it looks like to spend our time that's fruitful and effective. Um, these, are good, these are good characteristics to think about. Um, is what you're doing faithful? Is it virtuous? Um, is, is, it, is it increasing your knowledge? Is it increasing your self-control? Are you being steadfast? Um, is, it, is it increasing your godliness or brotherly affection and your love? Um, if you think an activity may be a waste of time that you're partaking in, this is a great list to compare it to. Um, Ask yourself, is that activity I'm doing increasing these qualities in me? Um, is it increasing my, my self-control or steadfastness? Um, weigh it against that. Um, some more practical applications um, for the extreme non-planners out there. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I do this only because I'm one of them. Um, but I am speaking to you, certain people here as well. Self-control probably means you should get a plan. Like, you know, like, I mean, it's not, it doesn't say have a plan, have a schedule, but self-control, part of that is, 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 is having a plan. So um, we, we are called to increase in that. Um, and for you extreme planners out there, like love means being unselfish with your time. So let's, let's, get, let's, let's get practical applications. Um, I, love the, I love verse 8 because he says, these qualities are yours and are increasing. They're increasing. Like, we are called to be growing and maturing in our faith. Um, you know, it, it, it goes to the, uh, you're, not, you're not just blocking off time um, and tackling things. You're, you're, grow to be, you're called to be growing and maturing. Uh, there's no retirement as a Christian. Like, you're a, you're a, you're a new creation. Like, this is who you are. You, you can't retire from that. Um, you're called to continually grow and, and mature. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, finally, uh, th the last point I want to bring up here is that, you know, he says that this is granted to us, in verse 3, his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Um, and that's where we find our, our final verse we're going to go through. That's the perfect example of, of a perfect stewardship of time. So uh, we're going to look at um, just one section, one tiny section of, of Jesus' life I and mean, see, how, see how he used it. Um, read Mark chapter 1, verses 32 through 39. Um, we'll hit this quick and, and we'll talk about the implications. So here Jesus has started his ministry. 
And he's had a full day of ministry by this point, right? He's been healing people. He's been casting out demons. He's been preaching. Um, and he's finally kind of arrived evening at the home of his friends. Um, and then that evening, people, people bring him more. They, they bring him more work. So uh, verse 32, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, the whole city. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And then rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they, and they found him and said to him, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, hey, let's go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So I've got three takeaways um, from this and just application um, on Jesus' perfect example. Know your purpose. Know your purpose. Like We're called to evangelize, to care for, and to ultimately advance Christ's kingdom like for his glory. It's for his glory, not for our glory. But that's your purpose. Um, he says that in, in verse 38, hey, that's why I came out, right? This is, this, is, this is why I'm here. You see that modeled in Jesus' life. Um, now, this doesn't mean that, that we all need to, to quit our jobs and do it and, and, and go full-time into, into ministry, but you are, like we say it a lot here, like you are full-time in ministry. Like you're a Christian, your life's been transformed. You're full-time ministry right now. Like your job may have you have you doing a certain task during the day, but you are called to minister to people around you um, in that task. Like, you are a full-time minister. Um, don't schedule your following Christ. The second, second point, know your priorities and know your treasure. Um, you see that Jesus... Um, the next morning, he rose very early in the morning, and while it was dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and he prayed. Um, you know, and, and, and Peter, so Simon, Simon, Peter, and those who were with him, they, they were looking for him, and they found him, and like, hey, we've been looking for you, right? So Peter, the same guy that wrote uh, the epistle we were reading earlier, um, like, Jesus wasn't a people pleaser, right? He's not idolizing these people. Uh, everybody was looking for him, but, but, but Jesus knew the value uh, in his first priority, his treasure was the relationship with his father. Um, and that's what we're called to have, too. Like, like find your desolate place daily. Uh, find your desolate place and, and commune with your father daily. That's your first priority. Um, that's what's going to recharge you. That's what's going to direct you. Um, find your desolate place. And the, the third thing is take advantage of the time you have with great urgency. Um, you saw that Jesus did this, right? He, he went to the house. Uh, after a full day of work, he went, he went home, and, and then the whole city brought people to him to heal and disciple. Um, and I'm sure he was, I don't know, exhausted, right? And, but there was an opportunity he had 
and he didn't miss his opportunity. Um, you know, we talk at work about opportunity costs. It's the cost of letting an opportunity pass you by. Um, I had one with my buddy at work this week, um, and I regret it. Um, let's not let's not miss our opportunities. Um, let's take advantage of the time the time that we're in between Christ's resurrection and His second coming. Uh, God is patient with His time, and He is allowing people to to repent and come to Him. And let's let's take advantage of this time we have. Let's. Um, Take that moment to pray with your coworker, to share gospel with, with a stranger. Um, don't be so rigid and selfish um, or scared. Um, so, in summary, time um, seemingly it's like a sh- it's a we're short on it. It's a commodity, and and we just it can easily cause us anxiety from day to day. Um, but also it can cause us anxiety in, in just how much time we have left on earth. Um, it's easy to go back to work tomorrow um, and, again, get caught up in the world and compartmentalize your faith. Um, but I challenge us this week to explore our use of time in light of these truths, in light of the truth of what time is. Um, explore your use of time in light of that. Um, and above all, like, feel convicted, but feel joy, like, that God created time. Like, take heart in that God created time, and Christ overcame death, and he over, he's overcoming the, the, the finiteness of man, and he offers us eternity. Like, like it's easy to be scared and, and of time, time going away, but when you see it, on this side of the cross, you know that, that God is calling us to eternity. And that is, that is joyful. Like, that is something to be excited about and encouraged by. Um, so be encouraged and excited, and let us take advantage of our time with great urgency and great joy. Uh, pray with me now. Almighty Father, um, God, you are uh, the everlasting, eternal God. You are, um, you are all-powerful, um, and you, uh, you're not bound by anything, God. You're not bound by time. You created time, God. Um, Father, I, uh, I just thank you and, and praise you for, uh, the work you did, um, through Christ, um, the work and the imitation you offer all of us, God. Thank you for, um, allowing us to be on this side of the cross, um, allowing us to know you, um, allowing us to be transformed and, and to invite others along, God. Uh, Father, help us use our time, um, use our time effectively for your glory, Father. In your almighty name I pray, amen.